Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Sports with Yosef. I'm Yosef Macinter and today a huge interview coming up with Keith Mills. Going to talk some Ravens football. That's going to be a lot of fun. So I'll be focused a lot on that. I will get into an, a head coach who was fired. A running back who was cut and then signed by the defending Super Bowl champions was cut from not the defending Super Bowl champions. Talk a little Raven special teams, all that coming up, and much, much more on Sports with Yosef. Last episode, I talked about the Ravens and what they've been doing wrong. Coming on today, it's longtime guest Keith Mills. Keith covers Baltimore sports better than anyone for WBAL TV and radio. Every time I talk to Keith, he always has an optimistic take on the Ravens. And we all got to see last year the Ravens go far beyond Keith's predictions, my predictions, all en route to what was a very historic 2019 season, 14-2, and before being eliminated by the Titans in the playoffs. Keith, thanks for coming on Sports with Yosef and giving me some of your time. How are you doing? Uh, doing great. Doing great. Thanks for the invitation. Glad to hear that, Keith. And Keith, I borrowed some of your optimism when I made my season predictions. <laughs> when I, um, I said the Ravens would go 16-0. and I didn't think there was a team Whoa! that was going to be able to beat them. Um, obviously, that fell through when they lost the Chiefs on Monday Night Football. How are the Ravens me- measuring up to your predictions so far? I, I don't make a whole lot of predictions. I don't, I don't do, the, do the, uh, the, the season prediction thing because a lot of things can happen, injuries and and what we're seeing now in the league, just a, uh, a struggle to find consistency. So I, I don't do the predictions. I, I will say this. You said something interesting when we started about you, you pointed out everything the Ravens are doing wrong <laughs> in last week's show. And, and, and listen, you're not alone. That, that's, that's our business right now in the media. Everyone seems to take the, um, the glasses half empty approach to everything that happens in sports as opposed to the glasses half full approach. I, as you mentioned, am an optimist. So I'm going to take the glasses half full approach in answering your question. Um, uh, it's not surprising to me at all that the Ravens offense uh, is not um, living up to everyone's expectations. Um, and, and even the players and the coaches, I think, uh, are searching for the consistency to be a really special offense. There is no way that this team could have matched what they did last year. It is statistically impossible to do it. It had never happened before in the NFL. I don't think it's ever going to happen again. It was lightning in a bottle because of what Lamar was doing uh, and two other reasons. One, you had an offensive line that was led by Marshall Yonda that was playing uh, not only unbelievably consistent and unbelievably efficient, but they were pretty much intact the whole year. Uh, with the exception of Matt Scorer's injury against the Rams, uh, replaced by Pat McCarty, who actually filled in really well. Their offensive line was, 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 was intact the whole year, and they were playing at enormous high level. It was almost impossible for them to come back this year without Marshall. And repeat that, uh, because Marshall Young, as Mark Ingram said yesterday in his press conference at Owings Mills, is a first ballot Hall of Famer. A, playing at the highest level he'd ever seen an offensive uh, guard play in his 10, 11 years of, of football. So to think that Tyree Phillips and then last week Ben Powers and uh, Pat McCarry were going to do what Marshall does is, is completely unrealistic. Um, with that said, as a coaching staff and as an offensive line, you try to maximize your talent. So you want to get better week after week after week. And I think 
The Ravens offensively last week did that uh, from an offensive line standpoint, um, even though they were missing Tyree Phillips, who was a rookie playing only his uh, fourth game, or, you know, has only played four games. So my expectations were nowhere near as great as others. The other part of that scenario is defensive coordinators around the league have now had a whole year and a half to really see what the Ravens are, are doing, and they had a whole offseason to do it, which is crucial. So Femi Imadejo, who I'm sure you, you're aware of, he was on the Ravens' first Super Bowl team. He does our uh, one of our analysts with Dennis Pitta and, and um, Jerry Sandusky for our WBAO Ravens coverage. That's something really interesting the first game. The Browns, this is, this is what every team has tried to do so far against the Ravens. They spread out the defense, they, meaning their corners are playing wide. They stack the box inside to take away the run and dare Lamar in the passing game to beat him. Now, Browns and Houston, they did that. And Lamar's first game against the Browns was unbelievably efficient. Even though it didn't put up the razzle-dazzle numbers that he did last year, that was one of the best offensive games I've ever seen him play. The Chiefs, of course, they, they had a hiccup and, and a variety of ways. We can get in that later. And the Redskins followed the blueprint against the, um, uh, against the Ravens that the other teams had done, and the Ravens still put up 31 points, didn't play an overpowering great offensive game. Same last week. They missed a couple of balls downfield. They, they're still struggling a little bit with the offensive uh, run game. But, again, teams are getting a scouting report on them now. So that's my expectation from an offensive standpoint. Defensively, they played lights out last week, one of the best games ever. So I, 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 to be 4-1 and one at this point, only the sixth time in their history, uh, that's what you want. You want to put yourself in position to make a run in the second half of the season, and that's what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, four and one. It's it is incredible that uh, I mean the success that Lamar Jackson has brought into Baltimore. But just going back a second, you you mentioned a couple of times that teams have been not letting Lamar Jackson run outside in five games. He's two hundred thirty eight rushing yards, but one hundred fifty eight of those yards are his longest run of the game. It's really he's not had the consistent edge which he had last year, um, and that would, from what I've seen. And we'll talk more about this later, but play calling. The Ravens haven't been running that much up the middle. And I think that's why Lamar's not having the, the room outside. And yes, you don't have Marshall Yanda there to help block, but the Ravens' yards per carry, it's still very respectable, well over four for Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards. And they're just not running the football. Would you say that the Ravens not running up the middle is also contributing to Lamar Jackson not having any room outside. No, I don't say I don't say I don't say that at all. Uh, if you heard John Harbaugh's press conference this week, he, he talked about what the Bengals did: Darius Phillips, number twenty-three; William Jackson, number twenty-two. Every time Lamar ran the the, the 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 read option and went outside, those guys crashed down instead of covering their man in the passing game and forced him wide. So you can run the ball a million times inside. Uh, the cornerbacks aren't responsible to stop the inside run game. Uh, defensive coordinators right now are taking one, if not two, guys on the outside, and they are preventing the outside run. So that's got nothing to do with running inside. Uh, the, one of the problems with the fact that the Ravens haven't run a ball a lot inside is because they haven't run a lot of plays in the last two games. They've only run 56 and 60 plays. That's They've lost down time about of possession 25. four times this year. Oh, absolutely. That's down about 20. 20 plays from what they averaged last year and what they averaged the first two games of the year. So defensive coordinators. Now, with that said, they're also getting big chunks of yardage. Devin Duvernay, 42 yards. 
last week. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, the big 30-yard run, which changes field position. It limits your offensive um, um, long-sustained drives because you're chewing, chewing up huge chunks of yardage. Look at the big plays they've had in the passing game this year. 30 last week against Hollywood Brown. 30 and 35 against the Redskins. So teams are daring them to throw the ball down the middle. Sometimes they're, they're executing it really well, and sometimes they're not. You go back to the Kansas City game. That game turned on three plays, in my opinion. Yeah, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes beat them um, with one of the great quarterback games I've ever seen played. But offensively for the Ravens, Lamar missed Hollywood Brown on two possible touchdowns, one deep uh, going from right to left. You, you may remember it. He had a two steps on his, on his defensive back. Lamar Was that in the right corner of the end zone? No, that was down the left side. Uh, the right corner was the one Mark Andrews dropped in the end zone. This was down – the second one was down the seam, and he underthrew him. So that's two huge plays that they left on the field. The same thing happened against the Redskins, and the same thing happened last week where they missed on a couple of deep balls, which could have just drastically increased everyone's offensive production numbers. But there's, there are plays that Greg Roman and John Harbaugh have said the Ravens got to start clicking on, or you're never going to get these teams out of this stop-the-run defensive mindset and, and, and you know, and, and play a more conventional defense. Um, Lamar said it yesterday. John Harbaugh said it this week. Teams are coming out and giving in totally different looks than anything they've done so far this season. And it takes a while to adjust to what they're trying to do. Now, in those games, listen, the Ravens have won every game by two touchdowns or more. And why that's not enough for people, it's mind-boggling to me. Yeah, they lost the, uh, the Chiefs game. They didn't play a, a, a real good game, but they left some plays on the field. I don't understand what people want. They want this run-pass balance all the time. They think that's the magical formula to winning football games. 35 runs and 25 passes. Well, that might have been the magic formula when Joe Flacco was here, but Joe also could chuck it around 40 times and win a game too. Man, every game is different. You can't go into a game and thinking that Mark Ingram's got to touch the ball 15 times and Gus 10 and Dobbins 8 and yada, 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 yada. The object is to score the more points than the other team, and that's what the Ravens do. Throw the stats out the window. The stats tell you what happened, not how it happened. Fair enough. You, um, you mentioned the Ravens, and really, um, they've got four, five, six guys who, could, who are really running well out of the backfield for them. We've not even seen Justice Hill this year, um, their second year running back. What are your thoughts on how Greg Roman is using the four running backs? I personally would like to see the Ravens commit to a running back and see where that takes them for a little bit. And because I, I feel like the Ravens have an opportunity to run the football, but they're not taking that opportunity. And to okay. use that opportunity, so they have to use that one back. So so here's, here's a scenario for you. So J.K. Dobbins busts a 30-yard run the other day, and there's no – Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram really don't have the speed to do that. So you take that option away when you see the, the, the personnel group that Cincinnati has, and you'd rather have a three to four – two three to four-yard runs from Mark Ingram up the middle to get him going than have a 30-yard 30, 30 run that changes field position? I think so, because the flip side of that is, is Dobbins is knocking off a two-yard run, or he's not making an impact elsewhere. Because what I thought worked really well for last year for the Ravens, and you mentioned this earlier with those big chunk plays, 
the Ravens are scoring this year. Last year, the Ravens were knocking off 15, 16, 17 play drives by running the football and being very methodical, protecting the football and making it as easy as possible for Lamar Jackson on those third and shorts when he had to throw the football. And this year, they're not doing that. They're they're against the Bengals. Lamar was three of nine passing on first down. And that's setting up a long second down, a long third down, and it's not making it easy versus John four on first said, and second. As John Harbaugh said, 11 of those passes last week came at the end of the first half when they, when they were trying to get into field goal position. So that skews the numbers. But a- absolutely, you, you, you but didn't Keith, hear what I just said. You didn't hear what I just said in regards to what defenses are trying to do and how the offensive line is a work in progress. You can want to run the ball all you want, but when you're putting yourself in, in deep down in distance uh, with with two a two yard run on first down, and I get your I get your point about throwing on first down, but um, some of those passes that he missed, he just missed. They were bad execution. They were there. He just missed. Um, so that's not a play call. That's an execution play from the uh, execution perspective from the from the players. The, the the teams are playing the Ravens much differently. They are not making Lamar Jackson beat him this year. That is point one. And point two is the Ravens' offensive line um, have, and John Harbaugh talked about this yesterday with his combination blocks on the offensive line. It's they're not as precise without Marshall Yonda. Now that is a fact of life, and you can insert anybody else you want in there, and you're not going to be as good. It's like taking out Tom Brady in his heyday, putting another quarterback in there. New England's offense was not going to be as good. So you can want to run the ball 40 times a game, and you can want to knock out 18, 19 play drives. Teams are making it very difficult to do. The Ravens did it once last week, and they did it because they converted five for five on third down. Um, and some of those third downs were third and, third and three, third and four, third and five. So that's the key to drive is executing third and fourth down, uh, 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 converting on third down. With that said, though, when you're flipping field position like they did with Duvernay, and, um, and and Dobbins, you're not getting the seven and a half and eight minute drive. That's not happening. Absolutely. You can say it all you want, but it's, it's, it's the real the reality of the situation is when you're making big plays, you had a 30 yard passing run from Hollywood Brown the other day. So that's going to take away the number of plays you do in a drive. Yeah. So with with the Ravens having less so what i'm hearing is the ravens are opting to go for more chunk plays versus the style last year which was much more we'll take four yards of play and march down the field well yeah because that's what teams are giving them they're giving them the middle of the field in the passing game and the ravens have have made them pay dearly many times in other cases they haven't so the defensive coordinators are gambling that the Ravens can't convert the big play. That's that's what they're doing. And that's according to John to, to Femi and Badejo and Dennis Pitta. These guys that have played the game and say you can want to run the ball all you want against a eight against a seven and eight man box or a, or an eight and nine man box, but it's really unrealistic to think you're going to grind out a seventy five yard drive every time you get the ball by doing that. When they're giving you one on one coverage against Andrews or Brown or Snead or whomever, you got to make them pay. More times than not this year, the Ravens have done that. But for some reason, there's a mindset in Baltimore that says you've got to run the ball 45 times to be successful. You go back and look last year, 
a lot of times, you go back and look at that Rams game when they destroyed a really good defense and a great defensive coordinator in Wade Phillips. They didn't crank out too many long seven, eight-minute drives. They destroyed them with the intermediate passing game down the middle of the field. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, so with those passing games, and this is something that obviously, and Jesse Bates said this in an interview, um, that the Lamar Jackson has really been going to two targets in that passing game, which is, um, what the Ravens, they, they're taking what the defenses are giving. And so going to that passing game with Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown, and those have been the bulk of the targets is that something you you want to see the Ravens shift away from and spread the ball out so that defenses are not going to be really doubling those guys or really focusing oh, on those guys? No question about it. I mean, that's something that, that Greg Roman and John Harbaugh address every week. Uh, you, you, you have to spread the ball around, and they are at their best when they do that. Go back to the Browns game week one. Um, the, the, the distribution was pretty equal. I mean, um, Willie Steed caught three or four balls. Boykin caught two. Um, but again, as time goes on, you've got you've got defenses that that have a lot of game tape that they can watch and they can take away certain things that you're trying to do, and you got to adjust and, and 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 make them pay. So with that said, of course you want to try to 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 move the ball around, spread it around. I think that's something that the Ravens are going to try to work on, if not this week, certainly during the bye week next week. But um, you know, they only threw the ball. I love Willie Sneed. He's he's Mr. Clutch for me. Uh, he's like a poor man's um, Anquan Bolden. Uh, always moves to change when he catches the ball. I'd love to see him uh, get more involved because he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a really good player. Um, I'll, Pete Gilbert and I sit together, uh, watch the games. We were talking about that last week. Uh, you know, and listen, man, Lamar is only in his, this is his second full year as quarterback. He has yet to see every defensive coordinator and every defense in the league. He's still going around the league one time um, in terms of, of, of some of these teams he's seeing. So, uh, you got to everybody's got to give him a little bit of slack, man, in terms of his development as a quarterback. To think that he's going to do what he did last year and rush for fourteen hundred yards or twelve hundred, whatever he had, every defensive coordinator in the league is going to get fired if that happens. So uh, that, that's the challenge every week for the Ravens: find a weak spot in the defense and exploit it. And they have been doing that more often than not. How another guy who's not been getting too many targets miles boykin he's been playing on 67 percent of the raven snaps and just and only has 17 targets and i, I think the ravens coaches mentioned this miles boykin is a, a really i'm going to say elite run blocker down the field every running play from when i watched film from last year every, every play he was in he was always in front of the playmaking blocks but he's just not been getting the football this year does he not have lamar jackson's trust is there a route running issue or something completely different with boykin well, there was a route. Yeah, I think he got two balls yesterday, uh, last week. Um, one uh, Lamar threw away because it was good coverage, and the second one was down in the right. Uh, you know, they're driving down at the end of uh, end of the half. I think it was. I don't know. Anyway, and for some reason, Boykin stopped his route, and Lamar threw it into the end zone. And you could see Lamar was frustrated that he actually kind of waved to him like he got to go to the end zone. So there is definitely some issue there. And, um, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But, yeah, I, I personally think uh, I'd like to see Devin Duvernay get a little bit more involved with the passing game because every time this kid touches the ball, something good happens. And I, I think he is, uh, when he learns the, the, the intricacies of the passing game in the NFL and, and what defensive backs are trying to do to, to slow him down, um, 
and he's going to be a really good player, man. So I, I think as the season wears on, you're going to see more of him in the in the offensive game plan. What about his rookie wide receiver counterpart, James Prochet? What have you seen from him? Well, I love James Prochet. I saw him, you know, I broadcast Navy football, and he went to SMU, which is in Navy's conference, and I saw him play last year at Navy. And, uh, I mean, his hands are unbelievable. Um, and, again, I think it's just a matter of – I mean, he catches everything. Uh, one of the Navy coaches came up to me, pointed at him, and said, see that guy over there? He goes, he's, he might be one of the top five receivers in the country, and nobody really knows anything about him because he's, he's small. Uh, but, again, um, you know, he, sometimes he has a hard time getting off the line of scrimmage because he's big physical. be like Marlon Humphrey tying him up or Jimmy Smith tying him up at the line of scrimmage. That's another part of, of a young wideout's education. Can they release – and get out in the passing route in time for the quarterback to make his read. Uh, and that's one of James's problems. If you give him some space, uh, he's going to catch the ball and he's going to run. Uh, right now, I don't think the coaches are real um, – um, have a whole lot of confidence in being able to get the clean release off the line of scrimmage as much as he has to. Interesting. If you uh, watch I... the Ravens quarterback – watch the Ravens quarterbacks play. It's hard to do it when you're not, when you're not out there because um, – the TV only gives you certain much. They're very physical at the line of scrimmage. And a lot of the problems last week that Joe Burrow had finding a receiver is some of those guys couldn't get off the line of scrimmage. And that's just a compliment to the big, strong corners that the Ravens have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, very few teams will play cornerback in their like defensive and their goal line package, but the Ravens do with Marlon Humphrey because he is so physical. Um, and we've seen Marlon Humphrey be able to go inside, outside, and Quite frankly, he's built himself, I think, a decent chance at a defensive player of the year. I know we've only played, what is it, five games now. It's really early. But what Marlon Humphrey, he's one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Do you think he, he's going to be in that conversation in Week 17 for defensive player of the year? Sure. If, if he continues to play like he's playing, uh, um, he is, he's a force, man. And not only is it the turnovers he's creating, it's he's able, he's one of those elite guys that, you know, you go back and, and, and Daryl Green and maybe Dion and, um, you know, maybe four or five guys in the history of the league were able to take a wide out out of the game and just get physical with them, but also be able to keep up with them speed wise. And Marlon's been doing that. Um, you know, he's man to man pretty much every time. Um, and that's hard, man, to play on that island all the time. It's given Jimmy Smith a little flexibility to uh, move to safety. It's also, uh, Marlon also plays in the slot a lot. Um, you explain so what's that, so hard about playing in the slot? Well, it's hard because usually you have a, a, a quicker, smaller, quicker uh, uh, player that, that's going up against you. And, and um, you know, once they can get a little bit of space, it's really hard to recover. Uh, but again, Marlon's strong enough to, to, to engage that, that guy at the line of scrimmage. And, um, you know, and, and take him out of the route that way. So when Tavon Young went down, it threw the Ravens kind of a loop as to how they were going to play court. And Jimmy Smith has done that a lot, too. Um, and it gives him a little bit of flexibility to do some other things around the defensive secondary. Another uh, player um, that has really impressed me, and I think he's going to be in line to get an award as well, Patrick Queen. I mean, he's a tackling machine. He, he's not missing tackles. He's making up. He's a sideline to sideline linebacker. He's chasing down wide receivers. I think he chased down Tyreek Hill uh, against the Chiefs game. What's impressed you most about Patrick Queen, uh, continuing the long line of rookie linebackers and generally middle linebackers in Baltimore? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, in theory, there's really only been three, Ray, uh, Ray Lewis, CJ, and now Queen. There's been a couple when, uh, uh, you know, last year when you had uh, uh, Josh Bynes and um, AJ Fort did a really good job when Patrick and Wasu when when CJ moved on. But you're right, it's been it's been a, it's been a three-headed monster so far. What impressed me the most about Patrick is what he did in the Washington game, coming off the Kansas City game where they really exploited his inexperience, ran a lot of inner, uh, uh, cr- shallow crossing routes for calls, and he got caught up in the wash, looking here and Patrick throwing there and. Mahomes were looking off, and then he runs somebody else in his area, and Patrick learned from that. And the last two games, you know, Cincinnati tried to do the same thing, and so did Washington, and he was stout, and he was right there where he needed to be in pass coverage. Keep in mind, one of Ray Lewis's strengths when he was here was he was a really good pass defender. CJ got better as he went on as a pass defender, had that big interception against the Browns a couple of years ago, which clinched the playoff spot. So you great offensive coordinators will take the middle linebacker out of the run game by throwing a lot of short crossing routes. That's what Tom Brady made made a made a fortune on when he was with New England. So and Patrick is learning on the fly, but last week well, he did a really good job um, um, of that, not to mention um, just his speed, as you said, and his athleticism in running some guys down and delivering real forceful blows at the point of attack where the offensive back is not pushing him. It's the other way around. So he's the complete package. And the great thing about it is he's still learning the game. And when he does figure it out down the road, um, usually it takes a good year or so to really actually figure it out. Oh, look out. Because he is going to be some kind of player if he stays healthy, man. And he's been part of a defense. I mean, he was a part of a championship team last year in LSU. But this Ravens defense, it has been outstanding one of the best defenses in the league easily i would say what are you i mean they're giving up 15.2 points a game i'm just did a quick math and i believe that's correct and he's the marlon humphrey we've talked about him he's been targeted some of the most times in the league he's not given up a touchdown yet we talked patrick queen calais campbell coming in this ravens defense is stealing the spotlight from lamar jackson and quite frankly, I'm, I'm loving to see it. What are your thoughts just in general about how this Ravens defense and how they prog- progressed from weeks one to five? Oh, no question. Uh, their defense has been, uh, has been uh, outstanding, had the hiccup against Kansas City. But again, uh, I'm not as critical as most on that performance. I just thought Patrick Mahomes was playing out of his mind. They forced him off the spot a lot. He made some ridiculous throws running to his strong side and away from his, his, his strong side. It's just a remarkable game. With that said, um, you look at the last two games, and they went in, and, uh, you know, they brought in Calais Campbell and Derek Wolf for one reason, and that's to stop the run. And, uh, and they did that and made two young quarterbacks, which you call very one-dimensional, and we saw the finished product on Joe Burrow. You know, I love, the, I love the people in my business anointing all these young kids right out of the gate as the next Brady and Manning and Montana and all this stuff. And then, and then they get a defense like the Ravens or, or, or they get a, um, a defensive coordinator like uh, Steve Spagnuolo, the Chiefs, and, and, and Wink Martindale who can do a lot of different things with their personnel. And you realize that, oh, oh well, wait a minute, maybe he's not as good as we thought. Um, Ravens made Burrow look very common, and Joe is a really good athlete and a really good quarterback. But it starts with stopping the run. Any defensive coordinator say, you have got to stop the run. 
Joseph, that's why teams are trying to load the box and stop the Ravens running attack. Because if you stop the running attack, you make the quarterback beat you, and and that's it's a, it's a whole different game. And unless, no disrespect to Lamar, unless you're Brady in his prime, Manning in his prime, um, Aaron Rodgers, um, Drew Brees, these guys that have been around, it's hard to do. Even Lamar's ability to run, it's hard to do. So that's been point one. The second is their versatility in the secondary. I mean, you've got Chuck Clark half the time playing linebacker. They rushed Clark and Deshaun Elliott a couple of times together last week. When Deshaun got his sack, Chuck Clark was rushing over the center. Um, you've got you've got Jimmy Smith blitzing from the corner. you got Marlon blitzing from the corner. you got these guys being able to cover fast wideouts, slot guys, and tight ends. They've got a tremendous amount of versatility. Uh, Kayvon, again, you lose some of the depth without him, but uh, Anthony Averett has stepped in, played pretty well, and Jimmy Smith is just playing lights out from a variety of spots. So, But it starts up front, and they're getting great run defense from Tyus Bowser and Jalen Ferguson, which was an issue last year, and those two kids have really stepped up and played well. And I think Calais Campbell and Derek Wolf have had a, have had a great um, um, influence on those two guys in the run game as well. You mentioned Deshaun Elliott. I mean, it is hard to come up with a harder scenario than he's taking over the starting job from a longtime NFL veteran. We very close to the season taking over for Earl Thomas after his contract was terminated. But he's really impressed me. He's not been torched deep. He's been going up, making tackles in the box. You've talked about him coming on the blitz. What What are your thoughts on Deshaun Elliott? Oh, yeah. Deshaun, I think, has been um, a pleasant, pleasant surprise. And one of the reasons they got rid of Earl Thomas, obviously, they thought he was a disruption in the locker room. But also it was because a lot of the guys that have been around, Brandon Williams and, and even Campbell and some of the new guys, um, certainly uh, Jimmy Smith and Marlon basically said Deshaun's ready. And, and the coaching staff trusted the players opinion on that 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 means a lot in in an nfl locker room when the players will come to you and say hey do you think this young kid's ready if we get rid of earl thomas uh yeah we do that's why they got rid of earl thomas so um yeah there's going to be there's going to be some hiccups for him just like every young player but again he's tough kid man reminds me a little bit of bernard pollard uh without the bravado or the size but the way he can come up and just maul you at the point of attack in terms of his his tackling um, and that to me is one has been one of the biggest um, um, uh, pluses for this defense this year is their tackling. It's been outstanding. And considering there wasn't a preseason, that that's that's kind of rare. A lot of teams are are having that uh, that 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 they're, they're struggling with that. So yeah, man, Deshaun has been 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 really good. Lights out. Deshaun has been he plays with so much heart and he puts so much passion to his tackles are you worried about him getting injured because of how hard he's he tries to really make an impact on the player he's tackling yeah I mean everybody has I mean that's an issue with everybody in the NFL it's a physical game it's a grinding game but uh, you, you know you can't worry about it that's why John Harbaugh says hey listen you know if Lamar's going to run he's going to run if, he, if he's going to if he's going to lower his shoulder, he's going to lower his shoulder. That, that's, that's football. So you can't protect guys on the football field. It's impossible. So you're not going to tell Deshaun, hey, come up and, and, and you know, tap dance around this guy and try to tack it by the ankle. That's not going to happen. If he gets hurt, he gets hurt. It is what it is. Um, uh, similarly, like, would you say that the Ravens would want to be a little bit more cautious about signing, signing Elliott to a long-term deal because of his style of play? 
think just because he is more, more injury prone in the way he plays, or is that something that is football's football? Well, yeah, you're not going to – the Sean's salary situation down the road will have nothing to do with his style of play. It will have to do with how many other guys the Ravens have to sign because Chuck Clark is in that boat. And right now Chuck Clark is pretty much the quarterback of that defense from a, from a, from a, strat, from a you know, X and O standpoint pre-snap. You also have – you got Judon. He's going to be up soon. You're going to have – or he's up this year. I'm not sure, sure what they're going to do with him. You've got um, – you just signed Marlon You've, on the offensive side of the ball. You've got Lamar in two years. You've got uh, Mark Andrews. You've got Orlando Brown. You've got Ronnie Stanley. So, Deshaun Elliott right now is way down on the totem pole in regards to uh, when and how much they're going to offer him to re-sign him. They've got other guys that are ahead of him and are actually more valuable to the team than him. I'm not, I'm not dim- diminishing his, his value to the team. Any, any starting safety in the NFL is – is is huge in regards to importance, but um, he's he's down the order, the pecking order in regards to getting paid. How soon do the Ravens try to lock up Lamar Jackson after this season? Well, that depends. It depends on what the quarterback situation looks like around the league. Um, I'm sure they'll probably start talking after after this year. Uh, you know, uh, they might not have to uh, in regards to that. So. Uh, Eric DaCosta, uh, I'm not a big salary cap guru. Uh, Eric DaCosta and his staff are, um, so they'll they'll make the they'll make the right call there, no question about it. Have you missed Hayden Hurst? Because this was I was thinking about uh, Eric DaCosta. No I've, I've loved a lot of his moves, but this one I think might come back to really bite him. Well, great, great point, great point, and they do miss him. And they do miss him in the double tight end set that they would run with him and Andrews because you can't double team both of those guys because Hayden Hurst is, is a really good receiver. But again, you are only going to sign one of those tight ends. You're not going to sign both of them. You can't afford to pay two 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 Travis Kelsey George Kittle contracts. Now they paid Nick Boyle a lower tight end salary because he's not the pass catcher, but he's like another offensive tackle act here. So they locked him up. You are not paying three tight ends uh, top money. That's not happening. So they made a decision, and they actually got J.K. Dobbins. I think that's the draft pick they got, I believe, a second-round pick that they picked him from. They, 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 they weighed their options. They realized they had a chance to get a second-round draft pick with Hayden. But there's no question that the Ravens' offense is, has a different look without those two pass-catching tight ends on the field at the same time. No question about it. I agree with you 100%. You mentioned earlier Jalen Ferguson. Jalen Ferguson and Pernell McPhee, it's, they've been unimpressive to start off the season in the pass-rushing perspective. I, I mean, on, setting the edge is not um, against the run, not so, so much as what I'm talking about. But against the pass, I've not seen them – playing quarterback contain well until this Bengals game and albeit the Ravens did not play quarterback contain because Joe Burrow on the run one of the worst quarterbacks on the in the league but they both played well against the Bengals did it just take four weeks for them to get into the group of the season and now they're going to shine or was this a fluke against the Bengals no I don't think it was a fluke it's, it's again it's it's a it's a process Ty Bowser is more advanced than Ferguson because he has an extra year in the league and, and he's getting bigger and stronger. Here, here's the thing with young pass rushers. Uh, unless you're a freak of nature, like one of the Bosa boys that came out and, and clowny years ago, you're playing, you know, Ferguson, great example, 270 pounds, 265. Bowser, 250 when he came out of college. 
you're playing against elite tackles, which is one of the most elite positions in football, where these guys are 315 pounds, 320 pounds of rock-solid muscle and athleticism, and you're not going to bull rush those guys. You're not beating those guys. So anybody that thinks that Bowser and uh, Timmy Williams, Bowser, I mean, even Judon, it took him a couple of years, and he's, he's, he's every bit the athlete as those guys are. To think those guys are going to come in from college, particularly Louisiana Tech, where Ferguson is, and dominate the league, I mean, it's ridiculous. You're not doing it, especially against left tackles in this league. Look at the left tackles that play. I mean, they're elite players. Ronnie Stanley's going to get elite money. He's an elite offensive tackle. I watched him against Ferguson when Ferguson came in the league last year, and Ferguson couldn't move, couldn't move. And here's a guy who led the country in sacks. So it takes a while. It takes a while to get physically developed. It takes a while to get mentally developed. And you've got to keep at it every day in practice to get better. And now we're seeing those guys, and, and they have been working hard, and they're getting better. Tyus Bowser has become a very good rush defender uh, on the edge. And that has been a big part of this Ravens defensive run uh, stoppage the last couple of weeks. And he is – really making some some strides. I think the coaches will agree. Well, they're the ones that have said it. But to think that these guys are going to come in and do what they did in college, I don't know what you're watching. Not you personally. I don't know what people are watching. Just physically overmatched at times. 100%. And the other guy I mentioned, Pernell McPhee, it looked like he just didn't have the speed in the first four weeks. And all of a sudden it picked up in week five and he he was making it uh, plays. Is that – coming off of that injury, which didn't really – I mean, I didn't think – historically that's not been a terrible injury to have to go through in recovery, but was that – is the first four weeks, would you say, due to his injury and now he's back? Because well, he was the Ravens' been. best pass could've, rusher before he got yeah, injured last been. year. Um, no question about it. Um, you know, again, not having the preseason and all, everything that went into that, that's certainly an issue. Um, I think Purnell – uh, here's here's another thing. Um, because you don't get a tackle or you don't get a quarterback hurry or you don't get a quarterback hit, doesn't mean you were effective in that play. I'll give you a great example. A lot of defensive coaches give out a point when they evaluate a tape on someone that occupies a blocker in two so someone else can make the defensive stop. And if you watch McPhee, a lot of times he actually rushes in the middle of the line. Uh, you know, they bring him inside because he's so big. And he'll occupy a couple of guys and, and somebody else will be the one getting the quarterback hurry. Well, he's got as much to do with that as anybody else. So statistically, he was better this week because, you know, I think they just had – they just – they ran rings around Cincinnati's offensive game plan from a blocking scheme-wise. And Joe Burrow just did nothing to, to help the offensive line changing the protection. And uh, I think that's one reason why. But Pernell's been pretty effective as the season's going on. That's another thing about quarterbacks that people don't know. And Marsha Yonda shared this with, with me and a couple other guys a couple of years ago. The quarterback sets the protection. The, the original play at the line of scrimmage sets the pass protection. 70% of the time in the game, a quarterback looks over the defense and changes it. Now, Brady, Manning, the elite quarterbacks in the league, Johnny United's back in the day, Montana, all these guys today can look at it in two or three seconds, Aaron Rodgers, and they can change it. Just like that, Patrick Mahomes is at that level. He's got this incredible ability to understand what defenses are trying to do, change protection, and you, the in, increases your ability to run the play. Lamar is still a work in progress on that. But Joe Burrow is a complete work in progress on that because I guarantee you one thing, at LSU, 
He wasn't given more than maybe one or two defensive looks a week that he had to worry about. Now with the Ravens, he's getting eight and nine. With some of these other teams, he's getting six and seven. And he's just overmatched from a football processing standpoint. And as the season goes on, you're going to see more teams try to confuse him at the line of scrimmage. And that's that's what's happening. Yeah, and the Ravens' Wink Martindale is so good at that. Like, you'll have, like, seven or eight guys in the box and only bring three, but you just quarterbacks just don't know where it's coming from, and that's why his blitzes are so successful, at least in my opinion. No, you're right. No, no question about it. It's, it's all about numbers. You always want to have more guys rushing. That, uh, you always want to have a, a numbers and an angle uh, advantage. That, that's the key to, to defensive football, numbers and angles. And the offense is trying to do the same thing. They're trying to get more blockers on your defenders, and they're trying to get the angles, the blocks, where the defense is trying to do the same thing. And gap gap integrity, you hear the gap integrity thing all the time. That's the key. Where are they coming? What gap are they coming from? And who's coming and who's going to block them if you're a quarterback? Absolutely. Just to go around the AFC North a little bit, the Steelers, they're still undefeated. What have your thoughts been on, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger coming off of a pretty big injury. He's back and he's playing well. Chase Claypool had a huge week last week. They're just playing good football right now. What are your thoughts on, on the Steelers? Oh, yeah. Oh, no question about it. With? Oh, they're, they're, they're here to stay. I mean, they're a good team, great, great organization. They're, they're never down for long. You know, they went through a couple quarterbacks last year. That will always set you back. You know, they still had nine wins with their third and fourth string. Yeah. Antonio Brown and, uh, and, and Le'Veon Bell two years ago, they had those deals. They dealt with those like winning organizations do, like the Ravens did with Earl Thomas. Um, and they got Ben Roethlisberger back playing at a high level. It'll be interesting to see how he plays in December, if he's able to do the things he's doing now because he is getting hit a lot. Uh, so that'll be an interesting uh, scenario to keep an eye on. But listen, man, they're a well-run organization. They draft well. They develop their players well. They're here. They're always going to be good. The team that's really good, that now I'll say this could be really good, and I said it right after the Ravens beat them against uh, in Week One is Cleveland. They got Absolutely. too many good players, and if their coaching staff is not in over their head like a lot of other coaching staffs in Cleveland have been the last couple of years, they're going to be good. And right now, it looks like they bought into what Kevin Stefanski is doing offensively because that's his mo when he was at uh, Minnesota. And uh, they got some weapons, man. Now they, they miss, they'll miss Nick Chubb the next month and a half. But, um, you know, Baker Mayfield just plays quarterback and doesn't try to, you know, be, you know, this and that like he has in the past. They're going to be good. I mean, the way yeah. I see the AFC's Browns. Really, AFC's tough, man. Tennessee's good. Uh, Kansas City obviously is good. Raiders are good. Chargers are good. They're one and four, and they're the best one and four team I've seen in the league in a long time. Yeah, I'm loving so Justin AFC's Herbert. really good. Yeah, I mean the way I see the Browns, they're four and one despite Baker Mayfield, which just makes it so scary to think of what happens if he starts playing like a number one overall draft pick. Yeah, I mean that's 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 something that he's going to have to figure out, and Stefanski's going to have to put him in position to be successful with uh, again uh, maximizing his talents, which I think are the intermediate passing game and and the short passing game. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Ravens taking on the Eagles in Philadelphia week six. What are your keys to victory for the Ravens against the Eagles? Oh, man, uh, same as always. Um, you know, they got Mike Sanders, a good running back. Try to, try to make them one-dimensional, take away the run game, make Carson Wentz beat you. He's turned the ball over a lot. You can't, you can't, you can't expect that, but you hope that you put him in long down and distance. He gets some heat on him. He's going to cough it up. 
Secondly, can't turn it over. Uh, when the Ravens win the turnover battle, most teams, I mean like 99% of the teams, it's, it's all, almost an automatic win. When they win the turnover battle and they convert on third down, uh, win the, the third down conversion battle, they are also almost unbeatable. So keeping drives alive with third down if you can and, um, and um, you know, don't turn the ball over. Make them one-dimensional. Interesting you mentioned third down because this was I was considering bringing it up earlier and I didn't, but I'll bring it up now. Last year, the Ravens didn't face third downs. Was that just a product of the historical season of last year and unrealistic to look forward to and try to do in the future? Or is that something that oh. the Ravens say, that's what we need to be doing, no third downs? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer that the key down in sports and football is first down. You know, if you can, if you can get, if you can, if you, what they call get in front of the chains, you know, five yards or in on first down, you man, you got a great opportunity to do some good things in your drives uh, because really defenses really can't can't can, can't commit to stopping one or the other. They got to play more vanilla, and then you can really attack them where you want. Uh, so, um, yeah, it, I, I agree with you. The, the, the um, their their ability last year to um, I can't remember. I mean, there might have been. 20% of the plays they ran, he probably got first downs on first down, which is really hard to do. So, uh, and then right out of the gate, you got the defense on your heels. So, yeah, I think that's a byproduct of, of teams figuring out what they're trying to do and, and not letting them do it on first down and forcing them to, um, you know, to, to, to try to be more conservative. Absolutely. Is this the year the Ravens are going to get over the, the playoff hump? <laughs> Oh, man, you hope so. I mean, I don't know, if, if I had that crystal ball, um, I, I don't know. Uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, once it, once you get to the playoffs, if you do, you know, Lamar's, Lamar's going to have to um, figure out a way to deal with the expectations. And I think Lamar places enormous expectations on his own ability to win games. Uh, and, and anytime there's outside criticism, you know, I'm I, I don't know if he take if he if he hears it or whatever, but I do think he places a tremendous amount of pressure on himself to win, and that's hard every week to to, to go through and and put yourself at the top of that bubble and try not to and try to play perfect football um, and hold yourself to a really high standard. Um, I don't know. Great question. Um, you know, until they win one, man, he's going to keep hearing the talk. Absolutely, you, know, you would think so because they have a good team. Last year. Turnovers destroyed them. Yeah, they gave up the big run to Eddie Henry, but they turned the ball over three times and they were stopped twice on fourth down. Yeah, I thought the coaches panicked a little bit when they got down by two scores, but you can't turn the ball over in the postseason three times and 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 expect to win. Doesn't happen. I mean, even in the regular season, you're going to be hard pressed to turn it over three times and come no off question. With the w. No question. Who's host, hoisting the Lombardi Trophy and? If we oh, if we get to that far man. in February, oh, that's a great question. Right now, if I had to pick the two teams who I think are the best teams in football, I would say Kansas City, even though they lost last week. And over there in the other conference, oh boy, I don't think that conference is really good. I'd say Green Bay over Seattle, and I don't think either one of them. I think both of them are beatable. I think the AFC is is strong. Six teams are strong. Even Buffalo, even though they got get stomped the other night they got a good team um afc west is nasty um so san francisco's down you know they, they bench garoppolo uh you know seattle found a way to get a win but they got outplayed on their home field by minnesota so um i would say right now 
Green Bay, Kansas City if I was a betting man, which I'm not. One last prediction for you, Keith. Lamar Jackson has been in 17 NFL teams, and I should probably just um, say initially that this is, uh, I mean, I, I was bored over the winter and I did a little bit of research, but he's beaten 17 NFL teams in the regular season um, and he's not had a postseason win yet. He is 7-0 against NFC teams. By the end of his fifth season, he will have every, played every team in the league, um, assuming he stays healthy. His success, I mean, he, he's here are other teams he's lost to. Tennessee Titans, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Browns and the Chargers. Four teams, um, two and a half, I mean, not really a year a year and a half as a starting quarterback in the league. Do you think that by the end of his fifth season, he will have beaten 31 NFL teams? Oh boy. That's a great question. Um, Cause he does so well. He's going to have to pretty much win every NFC game that he plays um, from now until then. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily know if that's going to happen. Uh, but I tell you what, if he goes, is he 23 and four now as a starter? If he goes 46 and eight in his next 27 games, <laughs> that's going to be pretty impressive. Uh, I don't think he's going to beat every NFC team that he plays in the next four, the next two years. But uh, you never know because the NFC is not that strong. But um, I know the NFC East isn't that strong. But um, you know, how many games did you win? That, that's the bottom line. Joe Flacco got all kind of criticism for not doing this, and not doing that, not doing this. Well, you know what? He won 10 playoff games, went to three AFC championships, won a Super Bowl, and won 75% of his games. And that's all you can do to judge a quarterback. Aaron Rodgers said it the other day. The thing that he loves the most about Lamar Jackson is he wins. He wins football games. And the stats and all that other nonsense, who cares? Yeah, but as Lamar said, it's all about the Super Bowl, and that's absolutely the Ravens' final goal. Of course. Of course. Well, listen, thank brother, you. great talking to you, buddy. Thank you so much, Keith. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Enjoyed every minute of it. That was Keith Mills, longtime guest of the show. He's come on a couple of times beforehand, talked about Ray Lewis, talked about Edry, talking about this, and today coming on to talk about some of the Ravens' greats who are playing right now. And yes, this team, for all their issues, is 4-1, and one, and it does have the potential to be great. And that will be decided on how they progress down the road. But before we go down the road in this podcast, just have to remind you, check out all the past episodes of Sports with Yosef. This is the 49th episode, so I'm trying to get a big guest for 50. I'm I'm really for sure going to be getting a guest, hopefully, Um, depending on some scheduling. I have a huge guest who's committed. I just don't know if he's going to have the time to do to record during the NFL season. It could be that I'll have to wait until after. So we'll keep an eye on that. But make sure you're going to be checking out this podcast. By the way, this podcast might also be available on Sportscaster soon. Uh, Sportscaster just introduced a new feature, which is a podcast section. Uh, I reached out to them because I have a past podcast and how I'm going to get a past podcast on there. We're still figuring that part out. So logistically, we're not yet sure if it's going to work, but it could be. It'll hopefully be on Sportscaster soon. But make sure you check out all of the past episodes of Sports with Yosef. Keith, great stuff as always. Big thanks to him for coming on. Make sure you check out my articles, tackler.com, techmahol.com, flurrysports.org. Check all of those sites out. Check me out on Twitter, yosefm613.com, Y-O-S-E-F. Scratch that. Two different things. Check me out on Twitter at YosefM613. YosefM613. 
is that again on Twitter. Check out all my videos on Sportscasters. Check out my website. I alluded to it. Yosefm613.com and subscribe to get an email every time I post new content. Okay. I feel like I'm missing something. Oh, I literally just got an email from Sportscaster literally seconds ago. Um, it's going to, all right, my podcast should be on there tomorrow at the very worst by Monday. Um, today's the 15th and I'm releasing this literally, hopefully in an hour and a half, maybe two hours, but it's going to be epic. So my podcast will be on there. Looking forward. Great news there. I mean, maybe, and I mean, maybe I should start wondering aloud right now if the Ravens would offer me the play-by-play broadcaster job. All right, moving on to some other sports topics because a lot's happened so far in the NFL and I'm not going to take you through that but I want to talk about the special teams we've kind of, we kind of alluded to it we didn't really allude to it though Devin DuVernay James Prochet in the return game have been fantastic Devin du- DuVernay a kickoff return touchdown versus the Chiefs he's been getting good kickoff returns I've liked his decision making which is important I've also really liked James Prochet decision making so many times whether Devin Hester I did not like his decision-making, but I love these rookies' decision-making. And that is huge on returns. I think they're getting good returns off of that. I'm liking the elusiveness. I'm liking the speed. I think these guys could be really good. I might have talked a little bit about this before, but the Ravens haven't had great returners and since Jacoby Jones and that Super Bowl run, and the Ravens look like they ha- have an inkling of having that in the future. Obviously, Justin Tucker, he is outstanding, but he did miss a 61-yard field goal against the Bengals. It's a 61-yarder. It was not an, an issue of distance. He just pushed it a little to the right. And Sam Cook, oh my goodness. Sam Cook, one of my favorite guys on the Ravens. One of my favorite guys in the league, to be honest. He had another fake punt, and he threw a timing route, another timing route, where this one... To the outside, uh, call. I'm gonna call it a curl here. Boykin maybe ran it seven yards down the field. Uh, it, you're not seeing punters throwing curl routes. I mean, Sam Cook is sensational. Let alone the fact that he's an amazing punter, one of the best punters in the league. And my goodness, he is. I mean, that fake punt against the Bengals, perfectly executed. He's seven of seven passing. He has a rushing touchdown. He's picked up the first down on, I want to say, five of those seven passing attempts. He's got a quarterback rating well into the hundreds, the highest quarterback rating in Ravens franchise history. What can you not like about Sam Cook? All right, moving on a little bit more around the league. The team that was in the Super Bowl and lost the Super Bowl in 2019 was the San Francisco 49ers. And that quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, former Patriot, he really got a chance to shine in the Belichick system. And don't misinterpret my words when I say Belichick system. Brady is not a system quarterback. Absolutely not. But he did thrive in those um, four weeks when Brady was suspended following, it would have been 2015. So did Brady go to the Super Bowl that year? No, I think he lost in the AFC Championship to Peyton Manning. That was Manning's last run. So what we saw from Jimmy Garoppolo last year was a quarterback who used play action well, who was decently efficient with the football, protected the football, and let his running game do most of the work. And that was really highlighted in the postseason where they just did not run the football. Excuse me, they did not pass the football. I think like seven passing attempts in the NFC Championship or somewhere around that number. It was absolutely single digits. But the Ravens, excuse me, but the 49ers, 
benched Jimmy Garoppolo against the Miami Dolphins after he threw a second interception. Garoppolo had been coming off of an injury, and I do not think this is a permanent benching. I think it was like, you're just done for this game. I think. I've not heard any reports either way. And Garoppolo is is going to be in a situation right now where, he, I mean, I wasn't thrilled. I didn't think he was a great quarterback. I thought he was a quarterback who was able to get the job done given the, his situation. And you know what? I can absolutely respect that and take that from Jimmy Garoppolo. He got his team to the Super Bowl. Yes, he had a great defense. Yes, he had a great rushing attack. Yes, he had had um, Travis, Kel- not Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. But you know what? He was on a Super Bowl team. That's going to be expected. So my issue with Garoppolo is I just wasn't sure what would happen if the 49ers needed him to throw the football. Almost like Lamar Jackson, but I think I feel more comfortable in Lamar throwing the football than I do Garoppolo. I mean, how many times are you going to see a quarterback who brought his team to the Super Bowl be benched? Um, then the, in the game the next year, definitely a rarity. I did not have a chance to do the research on that, so I apologize for that. But I have to imagine it's if ever happened, very few times. So breaking news about half an hour ago. I have literally no information on this besides what I've this this sparse piece of information, and we will talk about that. So. What is it? Le'Veon Bell was cut by the Jets. That's not new information. But what is new information is he just signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. Two days after being released by the Jets, um, this report coming from Tom uh, Pilicero and Jim Trotter literally minutes ago, not even half an hour ago, um, the article's published. I actually have not seen Pilicero tweet about it, but I have not checked out Trotter's feed to see if he has. I don't know how much money this deal is, but from what it's sounding like, I mean, right now, I, I look, he, all I know is he's going to the defending Super Bowl champions. He's going to a team that is absolutely stacked, and he just makes them better. I think from a fantasy impact, I think Le'Veon Bell moves up a little bit there. I think Clyde edwards Lear goes down just a little bit, just a little, because Bell averaged 3.4 yards per carry for the Jets. I mean, he used to be getting 4.9 yards per carry. So that's going to be interesting to see. Can he pick it up? He'll have a better offensive line. Teams are going to be worried about the passing game. And it's really going to be fun to see Kansas City have yet another threat. Because Kansas City, the amount of threats that they have, and the way they use their threats, and Le'Veon Bell, he's one of the toughest backs in the league to tackle. He's shifty. He his hesitation in the backfield, reading the hole, his patience. He is one of the NFL's best at running back. Or he was in his prime. Will he be able to come back to his prime? I think that's going to be the question to to keep an eye on. And I think he's not going to get back to his prime production, but I think he will get better than where he was. Because where he was was pretty bad. On the, on the Jets, he wasn't great. But I have him in one of my fantasy leagues, maybe I think just one, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he will do there. I, I mean, he and Adam Gase just did not get along in New York at all. And it's going to be interesting to see how he does with Andy Reid. He's played against the Chiefs before. He's never been on the Chiefs before. But look, when you, but he's also going to be a veteran mentor to Clyde edwards helaire which was also probably another reason the Chiefs wanted to bring him in. And they did something like this last year or two years ago with LaShawn McCoy coming in. So... 
Great move there by the Chiefs, and we'll talk about other trade deadlines. Oh, I forgot to talk about that with Keith. Uh, I knew I was missing something. I mean, it was the interview was only 15 minutes. I mean, all right, so we'll get into trade deadline and, and topics like that another time. One more topic, though, for this episode, which is the Falcons. The Falcons, they're 0-5. They fired Dan Quinn and their general manager. I'm blinking on his name. They have an interim head coach. They have an interim general manager, and they are figuring out the direction they want to go. The Falcons, every year, people are saying, oh, they're, they're, this is their year. This is the year. With the amount of talent they, ha they have, how can they not win? Well, they just find ways to lose. And Dan Quinn, yeah, rightfully gone. Uh, I mean, he was brought them to the Super Bowl in 2015. 15. Now I'm curious. Was 2015 the year Brady won or lost? No. He brought them to the Super Bowl in February 2015, I think. So, yeah, going back to earlier discussion, I was right, I think. Pretty sure. But what we're going to be seeing here from the Falcons is a team with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst, Todd Gurley, I mean, Matt Ryan. I mean, they've got great offensive pieces. And now... They have to figure out a way to gel, to become a team, to become great. And they have that opportunity. Because, look, didn't they win like the last seven games last year? Like six out of the last seven? They went on a crazy run at the end of last year. And they have that opportunity to do it this year. Because there's a third wildcard spot, they could still make the playoffs if they turn it around right now. And they have that opportunity. This is a team that's losing in the fourth quarter, that's in games, that, that just can't come away with a win, that's finding ways to lose. And notably, the Cowboys game, a horrific performance. I mean, on that onside kick. I mean, so much wrong that have cost the Falcons games. But they have the opportunity to be better. And with a new coach, they're going to have a new chance to reinvent themselves. And I think a real, a real serious question is, are they going to be shipping anyone out at the trade deadline? Julio Jones has been rumored. Calvin Ridley's been rumored. But what's going to be another thing to keep an eye on, Matt Ryan, does he remain? in Atlanta. I mean, there's some other veteran quarterbacks around the league that I'm curious, do they remain in their current situation? Um, Matt Stafford, how long is he going to be in Detroit? How long will Philip Rivers, I mean, Philip Rivers is on a one-year deal in Indianapolis. Jacoby Brissett's there as well, and Rivers hasn't been playing great, although if, uh, Colts did affirm that Rivers is their quarterback. I mean, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to keep an eye on. Uh, and that veteran quarterback carousel, you got Joe Flacco making his second start this Sunday um, because of the Sam Donald issue. I mean, I don't think the Jets are going to be keeping Sam Donald too much longer as their starting quarterback. I don't know that Flacco wins the battle, but I think in 2021, they're going to have a rookie quarterback at the helm. If at the very least, on, at the on the bench learning. But I have a feeling they will start him. I think Adam Gase is going to go. He'll be another coach to be fired soon. I have a feeling there will be a couple of other coaches around the league. I don't know. I'm not going to... I don't have any names off the top of my head this second. But it will be interesting to keep an eye on. Thanks for listening to this edition of Sports with Yosef. I'll be in a pretty long episode. I'm Yosef Messina. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.